saints that lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, entreating him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he had come, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. Then turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, rise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. which has five porticos. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went 
went down at certain seasons into the pool and troubled the water. Whoever stepped in first, after the troubling of the water, was healed of whatever disease he had. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he'd been lying there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is troubled, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your pallet and walk. And at once the man was healed and took up his pallet and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who was cured, It is the Sabbath, it is not long lawful for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, The man who healed me said to me, Take up your pallet and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your pallet and walk? Now the man who has, had, has been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. As there was a crowd in the place, and afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse befall you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. Glory to you. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. The story of the gospel this morning has to do with an individual who for 38 years wasn't able to move and get himself in a position to seek healing, which is what he wanted more than anything. And while we can look upon this man with pity because of the fact that he wasn't able to get himself into the water when Jesus approached him, he was curious although he knew the answer. But I think as to why he wasn't in the, able to get into the waters when it was stirred. But when you really step back and you take a look at this particular gospel, the man who had been paralyzed and laying there for 38 years wasn't the one to be pitied. It was all the people around him who had the opportunity to help him get into the water, the ones to be pitied. God never abandons us, people. He never abandons us. He will always send help and he will always do it in ways that uh, are either mysterious or very obvious to us. And this particular gentleman who was laying there with great patience over all of these years, our Lord knew that the hearts of the people who were around him were very cold and very hard, and so no one took the time to stop and help him. And when we look at the story, I mean, sometimes we can see ourselves as the paralytic, And sometimes we can see ourselves as the people who walk around the paralytic but don't do anything to help him. And we have to be honest with ourselves when it comes to this because there are times when we certainly need help. But there are also times when people around us need help. And if we're not assisting them in any way that we can, then we are in a way paralyzed. And paralysis in this way can can be uh, the result of fear. 
It can be the result of a lack of faith or trust in God. It can be a result of uh, uh, overly uh, uh, analysis or being more uh, overly um, uh, logical about things. Where we just think and think and think and think and think. And then the next thing you know, we find ourselves unable to move or to do anything to help somebody. Or even help ourselves. And this is where anxiety creeps in. And this is where we become paralyzed ourselves. All of us have something in our life that we wished we were healed from. Or that was no longer... um, a thorn in our side. And there are people in our lives, people that we love dearly, who also may be really struggling with something. And we want so desperately to help them, but maybe we don't know how to help them. Maybe we feel a tremendous amount of anxiety and frustration because we feel like we don't have an answer to give them. And our Lord will always be there for us. He will always help us, and usually in one of three ways. One, He'll give us the ability to help ourselves, which we have to be aware of that. Because oftentimes we may just see ourselves as being helpless and there's nothing more we can do. And it's interesting when you think about that, God will always give us the ability to help ourselves first. There's a little adage in in play therapy um, that says, never do for a child what a child can do for themselves. It was so fascinating that St. Paisius said the exact same thing. Don't expect God to do something for you that you can do yourself. So he wants us to make the effort. First, He wants us to put forth that, that, that time and energy to try to, to do something for ourselves. Secondly, there are times when God will put a person into our life to help us. And if we refuse to ask for help, then we're suffering from pride. Sometimes we even refuse to ask God for help, but we try to do it on our own and we fall short. But God will put people in our lives very, in various obvious ways, but other times it won't be so obvious. Sometimes we'll just feel so stuck, we know we need help, but we say things like, well, it's really hard for me to ask for help. It's really, it's really difficult for me to, to receive anything from anybody. And in this instance, God is going to respect that. And the chances are, you're not going to get the help from somebody else. Even though it's there. Even though God is providing it. And then there is that moment in time where all human limitations rise to the top and there's no other way for us to be assisted than by God intervening directly. When you think about the patience that we need to endure the things in this life, I often think of uh, the story that St. Paisius talked about uh, in one of his uh, writings where he said that God could have built an ark for Noah. And man, would that have been a lot easier. It took him 100 years to build the ark. 100 years to build the ark. They didn't have chainsaws. And you know what? They didn't even have metal saws. God put it within man's capacity to take the hardest wood they could find and make a saw in order to cut the softer wood so that they could accomplish what they needed to in building the ark. But it still took 100 years. And God could have said, you know what, just step aside. I can create this. I can do this. I'm really good at creating things out of nothing. This will be no problem. But he wants us to engage in our own, in our own healing, in our own endeavors in terms of, of our own salvation. So if he gives us the opportunity and the capacity, we need to do these things ourselves. The paralytic in today's story didn't have that ability. There was no way he could make it into the waters when they were troubled in order to be healed. And he sought help from people around him. The sad thing about that story is that people weren't even trying. And so God himself appeared to him and he simply said to him, take up your pallet and walk. 
and at that moment he was healed. Even though for 38 years he wasn't able to move, he sprung up on his feet, and there was, there was nothing but just joy in his heart. So I think one of the lessons from this story for us is that one, God never abandons us. We need to do everything we can to help ourselves. And when we reach that point where we feel stuck and there's nothing else that we can do, nothing else we can say either to ourselves or to someone else, then we need to ask God to, to help us, whether that's Him directly or indirectly by sending somebody into our life. And when we feel limited in, the, in our capacity to help others and we've tried everything and other people have tried everything for, let's say, my brother or my cousin or my aunt or whoever it may be that's really in trouble or, or, or suffering something, that's when, I need to, that's when I need to lift all of that up to God and say, Lord, that is your child. I can't help them in their addiction. I can't help them in their suffering. I can't do anything at this point. Everything I can do, I've done. And I'll continue to do, but now it's beyond me. And I need you to take over. And, and uh, Father Sifroni used to say that man will go as far as he can, even to the edges of the universe, as far as he can go. But there comes a point in time where there's an end to that. And that's where God begins. And for all of us, this is our hope of our salvation and our hope of our life. That we don't have to take on everything ourselves. We don't, have to, we don't have to feel like we're the ones that has to fix everything. Or to say the right word at the same time. Or to always do something. We do what we can do. And we say what we can say. And then when it comes to the point where we have nothing else we can say and there's nothing else we can do, we say, Lord, have mercy on thy child. And help them. And we find comfort in that. God forbid that we say that prayer and then we worry and worry and worry and worry and worry. It would be better not even to say the prayer. Because you're still taking it on yourself. You're still feeling like there's something I need to do. And this is pride. So when we pray that prayer, we need to let it go and let God take care of that person at that time. And if we feel that we start to get anxious or worried again, immediately meet that. And meet that emotion and meet that, that feeling with prayer. Lord, I've already prayed this. St. Pais used to say that the more he became aware of the people's problems in the world when they would come to him, to his cell, and talk to him about all these things, he said the more he would immediately give it to God, the greater amount of peace he felt in his heart and soul. Can you imagine that? Because what we normally do is like, oh my gosh, I can't take it anymore. This is going on with my mom. This is going on with my brother. This is going on in the parish. This is going on with my, my cousin's health. My gosh, I can't. I mean, there's so much. And St. Pais would say, oh, whenever it came more and more, I would quickly lift it to God and say, Lord, this is, this is yours. And he says, and this tremendous amount of peace. That was the peace from above that God gave him because he was responding in the right way. This is a choice we have, people. And please don't say, I can't help it. You can't help it. You have faith, and if you have a little bit, you have enough. And then you ask God to give you a little more, and then you leave it in God's hands. And this way you will have this peace from above which you so desire. Amen.